coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Do you have the time Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter, and I have procrastinated way too long on this episode of the Dynasty Crossroads, so we're just kind of going to do it live-ish or raw or unprepared and uh, just completely throw out uh, the idea that I was going to prepare and do a full, well-rounded show this week. Instead, I'm just going to throw a lot at you because I did a lot of work and ran out of time and now we're late. And so instead, it's going to be a lot in a very little period of time instead of a lot concisely whittled down into a normal, should we say, professional level of communication. Uh, So yeah, let's do it. So last week, I listed off some buy low, sell high, something about a regression model suggesting who was underperforming their volume so far in 2021, only through two games, so relatively small sample of games and were I was interested in seeing how that worked out coming back to you this week um, and if it correctly highlighted players that regressed back up. The results were mixed. In fact, the quote-unquote sell list did extremely well in that players who were largely overperforming their volume in those two game samples, something like 90% of them actually regressed or reduced in overall PPR points significantly the following week. The buy list or those that were underperforming their volume and therefore should regress or move back closer towards average based on the amount of volume they're actually getting in terms of expected points. Rotoviz model. See the way I'm just throwing things at you. Um... It's kind of hit and miss. Running back, it was decent. It said Jonathan Taylor, I think, was the number one candidate that he was uh, underperforming his volume the most, but he actually only scored 8.2 fantasy points in week four. That would have been. Wait, this is week four. Crap. It would have scored 8.2 fantasy points in week three uh, since we're only basing it off the two. Uh, the first two weeks. Mark Ingram was second on the list from my notes here, and he only scored three fantasy points despite underperforming his volume by 15 fantasy points or expected fantasy points in the two weeks prior to that. However, Alvin Kamara, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and uh, Naheem Hines all did bounce back in week three, producing 20, 16, and 18 fantasy points the following week. And so running back seems to be hit or miss, but in fact, the majority of the list actually did well. Tight end was a little more tricky as I talked about at the time last week because we're looking for such a uniquely specific category looking at players that are under or overperforming in the top five or top 12 is going to produce a lot of noise however it highlighted Jared Cook and Jonu Smooth 
Jonu Smith as underperforming their volume slightly through the first two weeks and neither progressed very well in week three, scoring 4.7 points for Cook and 1.4 points for Jonu Smith. Now, I am aware, because I've left this so late, of a lot of things that happened in week four, and so are you likely, since you're listening to it after uh, week four has actually played out, more than likely if you're listening to it at all. Am I alone right now? Well, physically, let's not go there. We're trying to do a lot in a long time. Um, so I do know that at least Jono Smith had a better game this week. Jerry Cook, I haven't checked out yet. So, uh, no, I wasn't expecting much from tight end, and I got exactly that, not much. Wide receiver was just straight up burst streak. Now, Raviska Chenault did have an exceptional amount of volume, and he looked like he could really have a good game for the Jaguars as well, which is saying something. He only scored 8.8 fantasy points in week three, despite the regression model suggesting you should bounce back by then. DJ Chark, on the other hand, was the one on the Jaguars actually bounced back up. Remember, we're talking about back in week three. I know in week four, you're suffering a whole bunch of different kinds of pain with DJ Chark and Visco Schnault, and it went in slightly opposite directions. But back in week three, actual performances based on the first two weeks, uh, Chark kind of hit. Everyone else slightly disappointed. Kenny Galladay did bounce up a little bit with 10 fantasy points, but not really enough to to call it a win. Devontae Smith um, continued to underperform his volume in week three, and again, since I know what happened in week four, and I called him again a regression candidate in two different articles and on Patreon, and I know he did bounce back up. So there seems to be a little lag, especially with a, a smaller sample of games for the model to actually work on. So overall, I'm happy with it, but I am tweaking it on into week four. Um, everyone else on the list disappointed. Donald Mooney, who I also know bounced back up. Alan Robinson, who I also know bounced back up in week four, still underperformed in week three. So it was correctly highlighting players that were underperforming. It, they just didn't quite bounce back quick enough um, and therefore I still think I need to do a little work on it and I've made some adjustments and I'll continue to make some adjustments moving forward. If you want to see the list it's on my projection sheet and also my rank sheet hosted on Patreon same way everything else is and also I've probably tweeted it all out by now and so go check it out there. Week four just some highlights again just to cut down the time a little bit here I'm just going to talk about the top of the list so candidates so far through um uh Weeks one to three. I don't know you've already seen week four, but pretend you haven't. Um, candidates that should bounce back this week. Jonathan Taylor is again on the list because he has not yet bounced back up. And yeah, in week four he did, so I already know that's a hit. Mike Davis was meant to this week, and I already know he kind of did, but the story there is Cordero Patterson, and I don't really... <sighs> No, no, that's going to be a big subject. I know we're not week to week, and we like I like to stay behind and more long term, so the Dynasty Crossroads isn't an immediate action po- podcast necessarily, more whatever it is I usually say. But yeah, I think we'll get into Calderas and Patterson in a minute. We'll just we'll just throw that in here. I'm not pushed for time at all. Um, but Mike Davis is still very much the running back one, and that was true in week four, which technically this model hadn't seen when it spat out the results. And I do know he caught a receiving touchdown at least and had better weeks than he'd had week one to three so far. And so I think that's going to look like a hit as well. So again, um, those are the top three in the running back, underperforming volume for this week, which you just saw. So 
I really should have gotten this out in time. Anyway, the other ones, um, uh, Javante Williams, Damian Harris, who I know definitely didn't, Miles Gaskin, who definitely didn't, and seemed to be punished in some way based on his usage this week. But again, I guess we'll talk about that more on the Wednesday show on YouTube when we're talking about immediate Dynasty reactions. If you want to check it out, um, Dynasty Outhouse isn't going to be able to make it this week. So I'm scrambling to see who else from DLF will actually talk to me. Uh, I got a few people who said maybe, so we'll find out on Wednesday, I guess. Anyway, um, but those are some of the subjects I want to dig into. Is Miles Gaskin's workload? Are we now done with Miles Gaskin potential bell cow type workload, or was this just a one-game sample? And we'll go back to expecting regression. Will he bounce back up immediately? That would be kind of hard to guess at, since. We're going to go from underperforming to no volume this week to what's going to happen next week. We've literally got nothing to really work with except narrative. And so I want to talk about that more, but I've gone off the list here. So uh, let's skip over to wide receiver. Uh, wide receivers that's saying it's currently uh, underperforming, so should have bounced back this week. Stefan Diggs, Donald Mooney, again, because he continued to underperform in week three. And I already know he definitely overperformed in week four. So that one's looking like a hit. So it's already looking like it's doing better. Same with Devontae Smith. Alan Robinson, can't remember how he did this week. I'm guessing not as well as Donald Mooney, considering how much how many yards Mooney put up. But uh, Alan Robinson will continue to remain on this list uh, through into week five. If you want to see the week five list, by the way, um, again, it, it's a, an experimentation. I'm not saying like the it's a new secret air yards model. It's just my attempt to try to... Do, uh, try to track week-to-week regression to try and make better start sits or a better understanding of how usage and points flow on a week-to-week basis since I spend most of my time thinking season to season. Uh, it's, it's an effort I'm putting in this year. Uh, more so, more concerted effort than I've put in before. Uh, going off the point. Okay, back to it. Um, then, yeah, I, I push those out with my projections, my rank, and my database every week. If you want to just see the numbers and figure it out for yourself, I'm pushing all 2021 weekly stats so you can see the, every player's weekly stats um, in my pinned tweet on Twitter, which, again, is hosted on Patreon. But, I mean, there's no you don't have to get behind the very, very tall dollar paywall to see it. And it's just 2021 stats, but you can see their expected points, their expected point percentage, and what PPR rank they were last year. Since I've already told you how I'm working this out, you can probably figure it out for week five. Um, but my week five list will come out, and my week five, uh, my week four data will come out probably Monday, Tuesday, um, as servers update with the full slate of games, snaps, and uh, air yards tend to lag behind slightly because my source of those is just a little slower. But most stats will be updated by Tuesday if you want to check it out and figure it out for yourself. And I, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to start putting this list in the in the free one as well, which will confuse everyone who's been using it. So it'll just be this weird tab with names and weeks and buys and sells on. And if they don't listen to the crossroads, they won't know what it means, I guess. So, yeah, let's just put it in there, too. So you can see it there on probably Tuesday. Anyway, um, those were the top of the names at wide receiver. So let me skip back to tight end. Top of the name at tight end. So should have bounced back this week. 
Evan Ingram, even in one game, he had a decent percentage um, of that team's offense, and it looked like he should produce a little bit more. I know he did, but it wasn't exceptional. It was a usable week for a tight end, but it's not like he broke into the top five if memory serves and the game line didn't change since the last time I checked the box score. Darren Waller, we know he slightly underperformed in week three, so that makes sense with a guy with so much usage on that offense to only score 10 points in week three. Uh, was a little bit of a surprise, so we expected him to jump back up in week four. I honestly don't know if he did. I expect he did. Um, but at least the logic here is working out. And those are the top names that should have bounced back this week based on my new tweaking. So I'll run the data again. I'll do a little bit more tweaking with the thresholds and publish the list for week five, which I don't have yet because I've procrastinated so hard this week. Um, and also don't have a complete uh, week four data set yet, like I was just saying. But that'll come up on Tuesday if you want to check it out. Um, I think it's interesting. I think we're seeing some interesting hits. And I definitely think I've improved it from week three to week four. And anyway, I find it exciting. Now, the reason I'm running through that so fast is because, one, I don't want this to be the whole podcast every week. So, But I also said I would come back to it this week. So I felt like I had to do it in a little bit. Um uh, but also because there are some interesting things uh, from 2021 season that I want to get to and try to highlight for you. Um, the subject for this podcast itself, even though this is like 12, oh, 12 minutes long, Jesus, um, is really thinking about week-to-week decisions this season. Who are the best buys and sells on the trade market in a dynasty league when you're thinking primarily about 2021? I want to start hammering out a process that's slightly better for that, that I can believe in a little bit more. And I think I found one that's interesting, and I can tell you how I did it, and you can tweak it however you want. And again, that data that I'm putting out, you could literally tweak it yourself or come up with a better way of doing it for your own um, if you don't like my names. I'm always trying to sell, if I'm trying to sell anything, here's the information, here is I'm, here are, here's my process for using it, but you can use it uh, yourself. I mean... If you like some of the thinking but don't like uh, the results or don't like parts of it, you can change it for yourself. And so that's kind of why I like data and having a spreadsheet that you can all go filter and change and sort for yourself. So I'm going to get that into that for a little bit. But before I get to players, right now through a... I've only got three games in my database right now. So in a three-game sample, who do I think are the players that are the best to target right now in a dynasty league based on what's happening in 2021 that's going to be like the the list that i'm going to finish on um but before that i want to talk about kadora patterson because i just said i was going to and uh more broadly about dynasty buys and sells and some names that i think are going to be interesting values at different points in the year because it's i really do think one of the best things you can do especially in dynasty league is have types of players or types of trades you're seeking based on how your season is going whether you already know you're a contender or you already know you're not a contender and should really have a pretty good idea of that by now um, and how I go about structuring that for myself. So let's do some of that, I guess. Uh, Yeah, Cordero Patterson. Okay, so this is actually something I looked into a little bit last week anyway to try and make a decision on whether I thought Mike Davis was worth continuing to roll out there as a running back too and based on that regression model I ultimately decided yeah yeah he probably was and this week I know he scored more fantasy points at least a receiving touchdown and again got the majority of the rushing work so I'm sticking with my 
Mike Davis is running back one of the Atlanta Falcons, and haters can suck it, basically. It's take. And through the first three weeks, Mike Davis had 18% of the team's overall expected points output. And again, just a little, little addendum here, just in case you've never heard me or anyone talk about expected points before. I'm using a specific model from Rotoviz, but there are many different ways of calculating it, which we don't need to talk about right now. Essentially, it's how many fantasy points should we expect average players to score with the types of touches the players have been getting. And so when I say 18% of expected points per Uh, for the team, I mean all the points that average players with that level of volume in those situations would have produced um, as owned by Mike Davis, um, or going towards Mike Davis. Essentially, it's a volume metric, so you can think of it as percentage of the offense um, in fantasy terms, and that's why I like it. Anyway, back to it. So I think Mike Davis is the running back one. I don't know what Cordero Patterson is. That's the ultimate line here. Now, I know he just went off for three receiving touchdowns, which is uh, very tilting so I was really expecting a bounce back week from Calvin Ridley based on the overall volume he's getting being ex- I mean ex- exceptional he's getting all the volume and we know him to be a good player on a struggling offense but he should produce good games in the same way Alan Robinson can and will uh, and other players as well don't want to make a whole other list of names right now that make me think about other things I want to talk about but you know what I'm talking about um three and seven targets also going to Cordero Patterson and three receiving touchdowns feels to me uh, a little upsetting for someone who's expecting a better bounce back week for Calvin Ridley than we actually got but that's neither here nor there and Cordero Patterson's usage continues to shift around now the underlining trend where he's being listed as a running back now and spoken of as running back one in Atlanta is that he's not really getting the majority of work in the running game. Again, that's Mike Davis. We break expected points down into just rushing expected points. So who's getting the most points or expected points based on the touches they're getting in the rushing game? Mike Davis had 10 expected points week one. Cordero Patterson had three. And four in week two and six to Cordero Patterson. So the shift did, uh, the, the split did shift towards Cordero Patterson a little bit. But then again in week three, Mike Davis is up at eight expected points and Cordero Patterson is back to three. Cordero Patterson is or was already outproducing based on uh, heavy, heavy touchdown usage and outperforming his um, volume for overall touchdown production. And with three touchdowns in week four, I definitely think that's going to continue to be the case. He, his luck can't continue to run this hot, although it does seem to me to be very clear that he has a role in this offense that is not very well defined in terms of broader positional categories. He's not the running back one. It's Mike Davis, and Mike Davis, as we saw this week, can and will score points like a running back one, um, on a mediocre struggling team, but he is still rosterable and roll. Uh, you, we should roll him out as running back too. That's still my opinion. However, Cordero Patterson, no matter what he's listed on your fantasy site, he's not really a running back. He's not really a wide receiver. He's Cordero Patterson, and I think we have a better idea of what he's capable of than a positional rank can possibly say. So week to week, I think his usage will shift, but the Atlanta Falcons are showing consistent and de- and determined intentions of using him in whatever fashion they can through the rushing game or the receiving game. So I think for 2021... I'm probably expecting that to continue. I think Patterson's going to continue to put up points. He's going to be 
modifying factor on the height of Mike Davis's potential output and also Calvin Ridley and also Kyle Pitts this year. Cordero Patterson is a thing through the first four weeks and therefore I think he's going to continue to be until it proves not to be the case. Um, so yeah, we should expect him to be whatever hybrid running back wide receiver he is moving forward. That makes him startable and it makes it very different, difficult to judge compared to other running backs or wide receivers, but I think it's very interesting. Dynasty perspective, he's the type of player I, I'm probably going to keep and try and roll out when I feel comfortable with it um, in a flex position or as a running back two or the wide receiver two, if that's how he's listed on my fantasy site that I happen to be playing on. But um, I, he's also the exact type of player, weird. The NFL doesn't like weird, and even when it finds it, it tends to give up on it pretty quick. While Cordero Patterson is obviously specifically and uniquely talented in a Cordero Patterson role, um, I'm unlikely to bet on that long term, in other words. So he's, like, especially after three receiving touchdowns and destroying and kind of co opting both Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and Mike Davis's work share is kind of some weird hybrid of all three. Um, he, I will be happy to package him up with something if someone needs me to in order to get a different player that I like in Dynasty that I think has better longer-term value or production. Um, again, we haven't made a list, but if you like Brandon Ayuk, who's really struggling this year with Diabell Samuels being the wide receiver one, just saying, then uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Cooper Adams, big Brandon Ayuk fan, probably hard for hard thing for admit right now saying exactly that on the other hand if jerry judy being injured or mike michael thomas being injured if they're players you really want to acquire in dynasty cordero patterson is a perfect candidate to package up with something especially given the high level of output he's putting out in points honestly they should be pretty happy as i would be to be rostering cordero patterson this year and try and get a longer term play for Cordero Patterson. Now, not everyone's going to be interested in him, or maybe you're rostering, not rostering him, but that's where I'm at on Dynasty. In 2021, I think he's going to be significant, at least, if not three receiving touchdowns significant every week. Um, but long-term, he's someone I want want to move off my roster for someone I like better or um, think has better longer-term upside. Uh, having said that, it's probably going to be pretty fun to watch. All right, uh, that's a Kadara Patterson take. Do with that as you may. Let, let, let's do the subject of the show now, I guess. One of them. We're just going to do the one of them. So, um, you're sitting in your dynasty. You're a contender. You definitely have a shot at the title this year. Who are the players you'll be targeting? Now, the problem with buy highs and sell lows and trade for this, guys, is... The list gets really long really quickly, if you ask me, especially if you try to stay more holistic and just follow patterns and trends. At least I find myself making a list that's just way too long. You've only got one first-round pick. Even if you've traded for three, there's very few players you can actually acquire that have significant value that you should be liking short-term or long-term and that you want to spend them on, so, so to speak, or spend any value on is a, di a difficult proposition since value... A large part of Dynasty is maintaining value while trying to score points and so on and so forth. So I just, I kind of scrapped my list. So I was trying to make it on Twitter and we were talking about it there. I've been talking with Dynasty Outhouse the last three weeks on that Wednesday show. And it often breaks down to value and trade conversations with people in the chat or Dynasty Outhouse himself. Because it's a central theme of how to view what your individual team should do moving forward. Talking about whether one player is more uh, valuable than another, who you should trade for, what you should trade for or not trade for players. Not necessarily thinking, 
I'm going to go out and trade all these players because we only have so much value on an individual roster, but trying to get ourselves in the mindset of what to think of my players or someone else's players so that I can adjust for moves I might want to try to make in my league. So, like I say, I kind of throw out my list because right now there are just way too many thing, ways of thinking about it. So I started thinking about it in terms of schedule. Like right now, what are the types of players I want to target? Well, that depends on the type of team you have. But I think in season, it's a lot easier to target or a lot easier to try to target running backs because they have the biggest differential um, in terms of affecting your chances to win, especially if you're targeting those elite top five to top eight running backs um, on a week-to-week basis. That's how you can really improve the the ceiling of your team, whereas you're just trying to prod the depth or, in fact, the consistency or the flex situation on your team, wide receivers come into the conversation a lot more. Again, if you're not talking about those top eight wide receivers, which Mike Williams is now a part of right now, although I do expect a little aggression, conversation for another time, Pete, move on, um, because those, again, provide difference-making points on a week-to-week basis, and so those are the two categories I'm really hunting, especially if there's a young player in there from a dynasty perspective, that's kind of a win-win, but on the other hand, it's a really good time to buy values if your team is losing or you're not a contender. I've traded from a too much Juju Smith-Schuster now already, but I have to think his value is an all-time low, and he's already a pretty good value risk-reward target in trades for me in Dynasty because he was already like wide receiver 32 in a lot of places and per DLF ADP before the season started. And now we've seen him struggle, we've seen Claypool get the volume, we've seen Deontay Johnson continue to get the volume, Deontay Johnson has come back this week and again got 10 targets, while Juju Smith-Schuster for some reason got even less targets without Claypool on the team, and Ben Roethlisberger sucks. But, long term, if my team is struggling, there's a really good risk-reward bet in terms of throwing a second plus or a player like Kodera Patterson and get something back in return for Juju, maybe. I mean, that would be a dream trade for me. But I've got a lot of juju. You've also got the typical candidates of Jarvis Landry, who got injured. Probably good risk-reward bet based on his value. Tyler Boyd right now is producing, so a little harder. But honestly, everyone loves to devalue Tyler Boyd, it seems. So he seems to be always a perpetual value. So I don't really want to make that list either, because right now it's not the types of players most of us um, really want to talk about. We want to talk about that top-tier players, those difference-making players that have both long-term value but also could really affect your chances this year. While all those players are undervalued and we should target them in the offseason more perhaps, right now we're really thinking about those difference-making players on a week-to-week basis. If not, and you're really just struggling for that depth pick, that's the kind of list you would be making. And honestly, the names I've got in that list right now, like Devontae Parker, I think Cortland's... No, Cortland's not too high value. Devontae Parker, um, Marcus Brown... Um, and uh, where did I put that damn list? I said I wasn't going to get into this, didn't I? Oh, yeah, Corey Davis. I think those players are going to be generally undervalued in Dynasty Leagues, yet are actually still producing usable points. I think they make really interesting targets in that situation. Hopefully you can do something if you're actually looking for more names. Like, that's where I'm targeting players who have lower Dynasty value than right now value. But the 2021 value, but I really don't think they're going anywhere because they're good and good players are actually rare at, within the context of this elite level of competition. And so I, I think they're always good targets for that medium range. Um, and right now, Marcus Brown's putting out top range, but let's not get to Marcus Brown truthery right now. And honestly, especially if Marcus Brown or Cord- 
Corey Davis or Devontae Parker are non-outright contenders right now. They're probably looking at the team and thinking Corey Davis has Elijah Moore behind him. Marcus Brown has Rashad Bateman, both of who I think are really promising rookies, despite not having seen a lot from him in 2021 yet. Um, and Parker's got Jalen Waddle, and so they'll be even more likely to move them with the idea they're not going to have any production value next year. And I really do think all three will. And so it's actually a pretty good time of year to target for those type of players, no matter what situation you're in. Because that's the type of list I was trying to make on Twitter. And I was group sourcing it and saying, who am I missing and what am I getting wrong? Um, and a lot of interesting names were thrown out, like an all-buy list. Like, a, a, to send trade offers on all these guys, no matter what your team situation. And I do want to keep working on that type of list, but... I keep coming up with different categories because if you only have one first round pick, I don't know Corey Davis is who I throw it at, but if I can get Corey Davis for a first, I'm pretty happy with that trade. But if you're already contender and you don't need good production at the wide receiver position, wide receiver two position, then you need to increase your ceiling more. So actually you should be pushing whatever value you have maybe into the running back. And and so I kept creating all these tears within the list and then the list was too long and again i've thrown it out so what i actually came up with and this is a process you can replicate it or adjust it and use my 2021 database to find your own is i ranked all players just sorted the columns by expected point percentage so the players getting the most expected points that their team is producing now obviously that's not going to tell us everything because if you have the most expected points on your team um, and you're a wide receiver but your team is producing very few expected points because you're the Jets then how much value is that if you're trying to increase your ceiling not much so what I also did is I ranked team expected points so I looked at players who are in the top 12 of their positional expected points percentage again it's I know it sounds fancy but it's literally a column I've got in the data data set and then I sorted that by team expected points per game now interestingly because we a lot of times we like to talk about don't get running backs on bad teams or don't get wide receivers on good teams or whatever is the narrative that's trying to explain what's actually going on. Truth is, some bad teams are putting up a lot of points, like Pittsburgh, because despite being a bad team and disappointed week to week, Deontay Johnson keeps going off, Nigel Harris keeps getting a lot of really good volume, and so there's a lot of expected points there despite it being a bad team. And that's why narratives hit a lot or hit enough to make you believe in them, but aren't actually the truth. It's just about how much valuable fantasy volume there is going around, more so whether it's a good or a bad team, especially on a week-to-week basis. So by filtering by players with a top 12 positional expected point share and teams producing the top 16 expected points per game, you, I think what I've essentially done is created a list of players getting an exceptionally large share through three weeks um, of the biggest pies uh, going around right now. Some of them are good teams, some of them are bad teams, but essentially the players more likely to get more touches, more volume, um, in other words, throughout the rest of the season. And if I was really trying to improve my season without being influenced by week-to-week up-and-down regression performances and touchdowns that will or won't keep happening for Devontae Adams or whatever else I think that was a only using two particular criteria teams that are producing the top 16 point expected points per game and players are in the top 12 at their position obviously at tight end top 12 is a little too far but still and um, 
in expected points share and that therefore for me that means that they're most likely to get more volume moving forward and we're a lot better at produ- producing things that project better volume so they could disappoint but i think right now they're the best bets i have of who's going to get the most touches and the most f- fantasy valuable touches from week three to week 16 of the 2021 fantasy season so who came up interesting enough it actually created very narrow lists um, and yet broad enough that you can have a difference of opinions or you can look for which teams those players are on in your league and which one might be the better trade target so for running backs Najee Harris tops the list again Pittsburgh isn't a great team right now but they're putting up 102 expected points per game that's pure fantasy volume interesting enough if I break this down by rushing expected points which for running backs matter somewhat and they're actually only putting up 10 rushing expected points per game, which kind of shows the kink in Nikhil ha- ha- Najee Harris's armor here. He's a really good ta- target for touches. I think since he's a very young running back, pretty, having a disappointing but also good rookie season because the team sucks, but he's getting a lot of volume. Um, I think there's kind of an all-by situation there. Like, I don't think he loses value this offseason, and hopefully the team can do something to... I don't know, get a jugs machine in there or something instead of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, DeAndre Swift is the next on the list, and I think he's probably one of the more interesting. In fact, why don't I start start to finish if I was going to order these? Um, I think the player that you should go out and get if you're really trying to increase your output for 2021 in a dynasty league at the running back position is Derek Henry. Yeah, no surprises there, right? But the team's putting up 20 expected points per game in the rushing game, 93 expected points per game in um, overall. And again, that ranks in the top 16 in terms of output. Tennessee's been disappointing for various reasons with Julio and AJ Brown being injured. But there's enough volume going around that there's still a lot of fantasy volume. And most of it was already going to Derek Henry. And I think that's going to continue. So just, yeah, that's obvious. But he doesn't do a lot in the receiving game. But we're mostly interested in points, especially in in season instead of projecting workloads so yeah yeah Derek Henry's probably the top target however I think there's a discount version perhaps this year in Christian McCaffrey I think some people might be more willing to give up on him especially if he happens to be on a struggling roster and if they have Christian McCaffrey and just lost Christian McCaffrey they might already have been become a struggling roster without him I don't know for injuries check with an injury doctor out there or your local physician I guess I don't know but he is expected to come back this year and when he does I expect him to still be Christian McCaffrey the Carolina Panthers were before week four with Christian McCaffrey out putting up more rushing expected points than Tennessee 22 points per game and they rank in the top 16 in overall expected points Christian McCaffrey obviously was a huge share of that offense through the three games that was available, well, two and a half, and I think he'll return to that if he can get healthy and come back this year. And honestly, while his value will decrease because age and dynasty and the offseason and a new crop of running backs in this rookie running back class, I don't think Christian McCaffrey's going too far. If it goes terribly and you trade a lot for Christian McCaffrey right now, because you would have to probably still, even to get him off a disappointed team, at least spend two first-round picks for an old running back, yeah. But if you're really trying to get a slightly discounted Derrick Henry, even though Christian McCaffrey is obviously a better Derrick Henry because he gets rushing and the receiving volume, but again, we find this ourselves in this weird week-to-week situation, which... 
doesn't quite match up to how we know we should value these how we value these players um but his injury might create a better potential trade window and i think we should expect very similar output from christian mccaffrey in fact better output than derrick henry when he returns so if i'm really pushing for 2021 he might be the best target and to increase my upside this year inside the top eight um after that is deandre swift Team produces 15 expected running points a game, 101 expected points per game overall, though. Detroit Lions, also a bad team, really. Jared Groff, uh, uh, Detroit Lions are not the best uh, of a watch, I would imagine. Obviously, I don't watch. But DeAndre Swift is having an Austin Eckler workload. He's Austin Eckler with draft capital, and he's healthy, and he's getting it all right now. And, there's, you know, given all of that, I do no, his value isn't going anywhere next year, especially with all the older running backs like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley who started off a little slow in Saquon Barkley and got injured in terms of Christian McCaffrey. Um, DeAndre Swift and that ilk are going to be highly valued going forward. So even if you throw everything at the DeAndre Swift owner, you're still probably going to have that value this offseason, even if the worst was to happen or the expected points drop. And I really don't think they will. So... I think Christian McCaffrey is the best target. Derrick Henry is the best target because he's not hurt right now. But there's a problem there because the Derrick Henry owner is going to want the world and should. Now, the Christian McCaffrey owner will want the world but might be more willing to trade. Not at a discount, but more easily tradable. And you might get him for slightly less than Henry right now, depending on your league. Outside of that, DeAndre Swift seems like the best clear trade for that player in Dynasty, even if you're pushing to win this year candidate. After that, it's uh, Davin Cook and Najee Harris. Davin Cook's just kind of an obvious answer. Um, and Najee Harris, I went through a bit more. Uh, that was a really long list, so let me do tight end wide receiver uh, a little quicker. Um, Going to make some people mad, some people happy maybe. Kyle Pitts currently has a top 12... Uh, yeah, top 12 expected point share of his offense. Again, I've already talked about how Cordero Patterson's kind of a, a wild card in the way that's going to move forward. But again, dynasty value isn't going anywhere. He's getting the expected point share. His team is in the top 16 for expected points output. So I still think he's actually an interesting bet, especially if the disappointment of the first few weeks might make that price a little softer. Rob Gronkowski, when he returns for 2021 purely, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a trade target for anyone who's really a contender and has everything else set and can just trade a little value to get Rob Gronkowski if he comes back and keeps putting up all those touchdowns because I really think he will. And the interesting name on this list, well, there's Darren Waller, obviously, because he was disappointed last week, but no one's going to trade you to him at value. But if you really want to improve your tight end spot to win this year, yeah, obviously, Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey is the answer. But maybe sneaky values, Kyle Pitts, Rob Gronkowski. An interesting name is Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki currently has a top six expected point share at tight ends. That's better than Kyle Pitts. He had a pretty good game. Again, with tight end, we're not looking for someone that's going to be Kelsey or Waller, even to improve our odds at tight end position for this year. And I think Mike Gusecki would still actually be pretty reasonably priced. He's going to be one of the better, at least, streamers for you this year. And if you need to make a move at tight end to really solidify your rush this year, I think Mike Gusecki is probably the best bet. And... Um, 
After that is Evan Ingram. I hate that team more, which uh, in terms of fantasy at least, which is why I'm putting him slightly behind Mike Gusecki. But Evan Ingram, only through one game, had a top 12 expected point share. This year, again, he didn't ball out. I think he got seven fantasy points if my reading of the box score about two hours ago is right. Um, if he keeps up that workload, again, he'll be one of the most streamable. I was arguing for him this offseason, then he got injured. I mean, he's disappointed by being injured and not on the field for the first three, four weeks. So, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm biased and just uh, doubling down on a take that's gone wrong so far. But again, especially at what is probably easier to get, discount top-end streamer, I think Mike Gesicki and Evan Ingram are probably the better bets just to improve your potential output for 2021. And both are young. They're not going anywhere. Um, and are probably going to be continue to be undervalued because they're not Kelsey and Waller candidates, but they are good tight ends who's co-opt a large share of the team's volume and so will continue to be that. And I wouldn't be too worried about spending what they are worth in Dynasty right now even if I'm pushing in 2021. Wide receiver list. That wasn't quicker at all than running back either, was it? Wide receiver list is shorter. Uh, Also some interesting names. Deontay Johnson, forget it. Uh, This thing doesn't know that Deontay Johnson um, just went off again the minute he came back in healthy. I don't think anyone's falling for it, but I definitely, if I'm looking to improve my wide receiver position or my flex position in 2021, yeah, I would trade what Deontay Johnson is worth right now. If he's on, in your league, if he's on a team that's really struggling this year, they might be willing to sell a slightly older because he's not old, but isn't he like 25, 26? He's a weird breakout. It took a couple of extra years, um, and I don't think there's any concern for this year. And if he becomes less valued this offseason because of his age, I'm not worried about it. I roster Marcus Browns and uh, and uh, Devontae Parkers because of that age discount. So be aware that you're probably not getting the value back as easily, but the points are probably going to make up for it this year. Um, Keenan Allen... He's on Team Old Guy. I'd be buying this offseason no matter what. But he actually has um, a top eight expected point share for the wide receiver position. Mike Williams is obviously a thing this year. He's, he's an elite usage player, and it's hurting Keenan Allen. But he's still underproducing his volume slightly, and I think it might be missed in your league if he's on a team where they're like, ah, but Keenan Allen's old and I'm not winning this year. Keenan Allen's a really interesting player to go see where team he's on in your league. Because I think he would provide very good replacement value or upside value in 2021 as well. So if I can get the age discount a little earlier, I think he's interesting. DJ Moore is on my all-buy. All, every list I've made so far in every tier, I think DJ Moore is going to be underrated because it's happening in a weird way. We talked about it just before the season kicked off. One of my worst uh, one of the things I most regret about this offseason is that I noticed DJ Moore so late, but I did get it out just in the nick of time. He doesn't look like any player that hadn't broken into the top 12 before this se- before his fourth season, right? Which is a list I had him on before, but when you go and compare him to that list, it's night and day. It's an elite producer versus mediocre producers when you're looking just at that list. Um, and Sam Donald seems to be able to produce touchdowns a little better than any quarterback he's had before. True, this week it was two rushing touchdowns. Um, and DJ Moore went off again. But, yeah, I, I pay what it costs to get DJ Moore on your team. I don't think there's a disappointing outcome. And I think this year he might be a potential difference maker at the wide receiver position for you. Um, the other guy that comes up on that list is Marvin Jones. 
I, I just I don't buy Jacksonville Jaguars until until that stops. Not Jacksonville Jaguar wide receivers. I mean, which we're, we're still trying it with Allen Robinson, and I still believe in Allen Robinson. He's on some of those tiered lists, for example. But I just it's icky, and Marvin Jones' values shot up. I think his production will come back uh, this week. It was much more Lavisca Schnault. DJ Chark was injured. I think he might be out for the year, but we'll have to check on that. So Marvin Jones offers an interesting value candidate, but I really like. I don't see him being like a wide receiver to target to help you win this year. Outside of that, at that um, well, that tier we were talking about before with Devontae Parker and Corey Davis, older players who will produce points. Whereas Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, I think they could be relatively difference-making at the wide receiver position if you're really making a push this year. Marvin Jones, I think it's going to be inconsistent like this all year. The Jaguars just... And this isn't just this Jaguars team. It's been consistent in their inability to help wide receivers succeed even if they display what... Even after they display what they need to. So I'm just always iffy on the Jaguars wide receivers. But I guess he's on this list, so I'll stay consistent and mention that. The team ranks 16th, exactly 16th, in expected points per game, so he barely made the list. Um, but he is top 16, uh, sorry, yeah, top 12 at the position in terms of expected points percentage through the first three weeks. Uh, week four is obviously disappointing in that regard, but we should probably expect it to bounce back. But I'm, if you go trade for Marvin Jones, I, I just I just warned you, okay? Jackson won wide receivers. If you're not getting them free, I almost don't want them. It's just too, dis- it's too heartbreaking heartbreaking um and that's it we're we're way too long but whatever i got i got through it and so yeah that's that's a wrap um actually i covered a lot of things i thought i was going to cut out to try and get it under 30 minutes so we're just going to run with it and let me know what you think if i'm missing someone that you think has elite usage and that could have Elite usage this year that you would throw exactly the value that you need to to get them in order to improve your chances this year. And those are my names right now. Again, once we crunch week four stats, I might be like, oh, no, it's definitely not Deontay Johnson. But obviously it definitely is. Um, But I think they're the best bets based on what we've seen so far um, that we could be thinking about making. Uh, Still trying to learn trades, but I think caution is always necessary. Be willing to pay uh, for things that you want. It's going to cost a lot. These aren't values or things people will give away. For. Even Corey Davis costs a first, believe it or not. If you want them, you're probably going to have to be off to ring a first, which, again, which is why it's hard to trade for those middling values, especially in a season where you're making week-to-week decisions. But those are the names I'll be willing to pay two firsts for plus. Not Marvin Jones. I said not Marvin Jones. Obviously, Rom Gronkowski, you don't have to pay two firsts for. I would hope not. Um, Evan Ingram, I wouldn't pay two firsts for. Tight ends are different. Um, anyone else on the list? There is one other name. And remember, this is based on week one to three. Mike Davis, week one to three, rank eighth overall in expected points percentage. And the team ranks ninth overall in expected points output. Um, he should not cost you a first-round pick, and I think he continues to be interesting, despite Cordero Patterson being the noisemaker here. Um... Kevin Ridley makes another list for the same reason. I don't think the points are going to be difference-making. I do expect a bounce back. I do think he's an interesting dynasty trade target. But for this year, I think Mike Davis is the one I'm more interested in in terms of increasing my upside, specifically this year in a dynasty league, especially because 
I gotta think he costs a second round pick, right? At most? Anyway, um, that's my list. Let me know what your list is or go take a look at that data set and filter by different boundaries if you think it's not strict enough or you think it's too strict or go take a look at it just for fun because it's just there. It, it costs nothing. I'm trying to help. Hope it helps. Let me know if it helps. It'd be nice to know it's not for nothing. I uh, really appreciate it. <clears throat> Let's try that again because we're doing this in one take. Dang it. Um... Really appreciate you checking out The Crossroads this week. Let me know what you think any way you can. And I will talk to you again next week. Yeah, that'll do. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. I also Pete forgot to mention Daryl Henderson. I'd buy him too. <laughs>